Anytime I do these uh, tests, if anyone wants a copy, I'll make you a copy, you know, and uh, only one person asked me and I made her that copy. Uh, we will try to do the best we can to have people who want the uh, printed out copies, we will give them those copies. We studied last week what would have been class nine or uh, the ninth study on the habit uh, of uh, giving, and we went over that. Then the habit of fellowship, participating in God's family, you know, where we want to pick up, and we did part of that with Hebrews 10, 25, was if we want to call it a text verse, that would have been our text verse. Read that verse like you never read it before. Hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and apply it. Uh, When you join a New Testament missionary Baptist church and you join because you think God added you to that church, uh, your responsibility, and I know a lot of people don't agree with, with this, but I preach my convictions and I back it up with the word of God. Uh, I believe that uh, faithfulness uh, in all you've been taught will make a difference whether you're in the bride of Christ or not. A, a lot of people say, well, I'm in a Baptist church, so I'll be in the bride. Uh, you can't find that nowhere. God wants us to be faithful. Now, we shouldn't have to say this, no pastor want anybody here when they're sick. You've got a fever, you, you know. There are things happening at home, but to, uh, you know, the uh, church attendance ought to be a priority in our lives. Priority in our lives. And uh, God tells us, so that's why I said last week as we started, uh, you know, you 10, Hebrews 10, 25, you read that verse like you never have before. Hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and apply it. And a lot of these things that churches do now is just for convenience because, uh, you know, we... Try to make it convenient. Uh, we do that simply because we try to get people who are saved taught so that they will know what their responsibility is. But there are seven reasons why fellowship is important. Is I belong in God's family with other believers. 
I'm closer to some church members than I am my own family. Why? Because I have never, not one time, in the 50-some years I've been in the ministry, ever stayed home because of company. That's not a reality in our world. You can come and stay at my house or you can come and go to church with me and then we'll fellowship afterwards. Never. And what you're doing, you're putting your family's life in danger. And I realize some of these independent preachers that's not independent, they only say they are. God comes first. It would be like me telling my wife, I met this woman, she's, uh, you know, she needs somebody to talk to, so I won't be home tonight. What is more important than meeting with God? You know, we got to get to the point and the reason I say about tropies, you know, I don't want you to say, hey, I want a tropie, and then, you know, throw it away on the way home or never read it, never give it to somebody. But like this study, we have a lot of scriptures that we won't go over. We got them. But in Ephesians 2.19, God tells us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Every member of an independent Baptist church who believes the doctrines of grace like we do, who believes the local church, who believes in church discipline, who believes in those things, they are brothers and sisters in the Lord. They're of the household of God. What's the household? We say, you know, what is the Johnson household? It's the members of that family. They make up the Johnson household. Everybody that is saved is in the family of God. But, you know, you can't make people come to church, and if you did, it wouldn't, it wouldn't do any good anyway. But I think a lot of Christians have convinced themselves that uh, one time of a week is enough, and that's what most churches are having. Independent churches are going that way. Well, we certainly can't give you scripture why we ought to have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. We certainly can give scriptures why we'd have Sunday morning and Sunday night. You know, uh, Jesus uh, appeared on one Sunday night service. We need encouragement to grow spiritually. We ought to encourage one another. But most fellowship in churches are not about the Lord. It's not about the teaching. It's not about the class. We're not 
conveying with each other and said, what do you think about Wednesday night service? Did you, I mean, I had never heard that before. No, it's, uh, my flyers are coming up. Had to take the puppy to the veterinary. That's our thought. But we should be saying, I'm expecting a blessing today. I'm here to hear from God. And if I hear from God, he will speak to me through my pastor. I need a accountability to grow spiritually. You know, how, how are we going to grow if we don't come to church? And if you don't come to church regular, do I have confidence that you're reading regularly? Praying regularly, talking to somebody about the Bible or Scripture. I don't know these things, but I know the main meal is on the Lord's Day. And we need to understand that, and we we shouldn't have to be, uh, you know, made feel bad or anything, and believe me, I don't preach anything to try to make somebody feel guilty because I'm the same way with my immediate family. If my birthday comes up and if my son and my two daughters don't want to send me a card, if they don't want to call me, if they don't want to send me a gift, it doesn't bother me a bit. And I wouldn't want one of them to say, did you send the dad a card? No. You send somebody a card because you love them, you want them to know it, not because somebody said, well, that's what we ought to, ought to do. If somebody had to tell me, you ought to be faithful at church, you ought to be here ready to worship when the bell goes off. You ought to know that. You ought to know that. Christ is present when we fellowship together. He's present. When two or more are gathered, what did God say? You know, look at Matthew uh, 18. Matthew, the 18th chapter. And the 19th verse, Matthew 18, 19, Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now I forget and be right if I would go in. This is why that, that, that these little quarrels that we had for two years affected our church. It affected the neighbors. It still affects when I go into the dollar store, when I go into Walmart and there's certain people at the door. We shouldn't have that because what I do affects the church. 
And if Sister Henrietta is part of the church, it affects her. But see, we have gone so far back that just what I do and how I act is nobody's business. That's why we got marriage problems. The wife says, none of my husband's business where I go or who I see. Yes. Yes, it is. When you become married, you become one. When you join a Baptist church, you become a brother and sisters of believers. I take prior requests. Thankful to take them. Want you to tell me about if there's a need. But I prayed for Sister Henrietta. I prayed for Jean. I prayed for Valerie every day whether they text me and say I need I may pray harder, I may pray specifically, but as pastor of this church, it is my duty and it is my pleasure to take someone I love to the Lord in prayer. Fellowship is a witness to the world. We need to understand that, that, you know, we fellowship is so important. God said in John 17, 21, John the 17th chapter and the 21st verse, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That's why I say, if Sister Jean disagrees with me, she ought to come to me. And if she says, Pastor, I think you're wrong, I don't have no problem with with that. But my next statement would be, could you show me from the word why I'm wrong? Your opinions doesn't count. My opinion doesn't count. If we believe that the King James is the inspired word of God, and if you disagree, we'll say this is one thing that causes so many problems in the church. I don't believe in discipline. Okay. Give me once give me at least one scripture that teaches against it. You can't do it because discipline is scriptural. And if we don't discipline, look at what's happened to our teenagers. First, second, and third grade kids. There's no discipline in the home. When there's no discipline in the church, you have no power. I am obligated to every other Christian. It's uh, if I know Steve is doing something 
that is wrong. I'm his pastor. I'm his brother in the Lord. Should I go to him and tell him? Well, of course I should. But the attitude, they don't say it, but the attitude is, Pastor, it's on your business. But it is my business. I've got to get an accountable. I'm going to be accountable to God for not telling you if I didn't. What you do with it is between you and, you know. I don't, I'm not the type of pastor that, that when somebody goes against me, I go home and, you know, shed a few tears and, you know, and try to eat myself till I'm, well, my job is to preach it. My job is to tell you. My job is to be ready to give you scripture if you disagree with me or anything else. Can't take those things personal, but the responsibility is, you know, a parent has a responsibility to teach their children. You can't beat it in their children, you know. And when they get a certain age, they know more than you do. At least they think they do. So you don't argue about it. You just tell them. But one other thing. You can't tell your kids not to do something if you're doing it. Next is uh, fellowship, participating in God's family. How can a large church maintain close friendship? Well, you know, this was a course that I took, and, and uh, I don't agree with uh, class 11. It's, uh, you, know, you know, how can I, uh, how can a large church maintain close friendship? You know, and they come up with, well, there's two types of church meetings, large group collaboration and small group fellowship. What the first one is, is this, you know, it's got a thousand people in that auditorium. And you're up there preaching something and, hey, get them to them. Because they're early, so they can, you know, for whatever reason. But see, what is the purpose of the small groups? See, I can say on Wednesday nights, we're going to have a Bible study, and it's uh, a... It's not a church service, it's an added service so that you can ask questions, you know, and then you got to fight with the people that say, the women need to keep silent in the church, which they do. But church services is on Sunday. Fellas, Wednesday night Bible study is not classified in the same manner. We have Bible studies. So to make everybody happy, we said, now starting next Wednesday night, we're going to have a Bible study. No more preaching on Wednesday night. It's just an interactive Bible study like we used to do at Young at Heart. You know, and some people say, I don't know about that. I don't agree with that. What is, what is he going to change next? 
oh, I'm not trying to change anything. I'm just trying to see if you're alive or not. I'm just trying to see if you want to participate or not. Because when you participate in something, it's more fun, right? I never was on a ball team. You know why, boys? You know, never liked to play River Rover, River Rover, you dared me over because I was the last one pick. I had to choose me. Ain't nobody else left. But see, we ought to be eager to learn what does God want me to do. Let me tell you. God can find you a job better than any reference you've ever had. So the purpose of a small group is they devote themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of breads and prayer and support, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You know, even lost people, people that are not saved, not been taught, the fact that if I say I'm pastor of the MRO Baptist Church, like the men that came out to check the furnaces, it was yes, sir, no, sir, whatever, if we can help you, pastor. What I'm saying is the office. But it used to be also if you was faithful in church and you attended the church and everybody knew because you made that stand. It's my church. Unless I'm sick or providence or hindrance, I'm going to be there. That shows respect to the people. They may think you're a little goofy goofy in the head or something, you know. You don't have to live there. Your attitude shouldn't change when you go home. What is the purpose of these meetings together? Well, if we're in the church, it ought to concern every church member that we're not able to take the Lord's Supper on a regular basis. It ought to bother you. You ought to be asking me weekly, when are we going to have the Lord's Supper? Why haven't we had the Lord's Supper? Praising God with singing of songs. You know, anybody that knows me knows that uh, my granddaughter, bless her heart, when George Jones died, my granddaughter told her mother, do you think we ought to go over and see if Papa's all right? See, they knew that if George Jones wasn't singing, I, I wasn't listening. She also knows 
that on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, no need to call me because I'm tied up. All right, this is the last study. A look back. A look back. Let's let's look in the Word of God, and uh, you know you uh, so many good things that we don't get to in these classes. But in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Ephesians 4, 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and throw and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning trappedness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, what this verse is telling us, that we henceforth be no more children. You know, I believe it, I don't believe it, I believe it, I don't believe it. We ought to know what we believe before we commit ourselves to it. It doesn't bother me a bit if somebody is visiting, if they visit for months before they join. Instead of walking down the aisle the first time because they promised so-and-so that they would. You know, it's a serious matter. You know. Very often can a boy and girl go out a couple times get married and it lasts? I'm not saying it, it changed. But you ought to know that person before you say I do. Because in a few weeks you'll wish you said I don't. You ought to know what the church believes. You ought to ask questions what the church believes. Facts about spiritual maturity, it's not automatic. You're not mature because you're 21. I don't say this with any pride or say it with any ignorance. I mean, when I got married, my wife was five years younger, and she was probably five years more mature than I was. There's uh, spiritual maturity is not automatic. You don't become a mature adult because you turn 18 or 20 or 21. It just doesn't work that way. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 tells us here. Notice, Hebrews 5.12, 
For when for the time ye are to be teachers, ye have need, one teach you again, which be the first principles of the articles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For every one that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Or he's a babe. There's people that's been saved years that are still a babe. You can't preach on any controversial thing. You can't make a stand on something that's not unpopular because they believe that being saved, I love them, you know, I love you and you love me. Everybody loves everybody. There's no disagreement. But if you study the word of God, if I want to know what you believe, I want to know what your doctrine is. Jesus had doctrine. He told them what he believed. But now, and I don't say this, I mean, this is the gospel truth. When I go out visiting, I, other day, other day, Matter of fact, Monday when I took my wife to the doctor, I met a person and we got talking. And I said, uh, you go to this church, I understand. Yes, I've been going there a long time. What do they teach you about what's going on in this country? I mean, because we used to think, or some people did, that Disney. Do you know that 60% of Disney's are changing their characters to little funny people, you know? So Disney is not like Disney is anymore. Disney has forgot about the morals and went for the dollar. Well, you preach against Disney, I won't be back. Well, you might as well leave now. I mean, it's just got to be taught, you know. And uh, and then you have people, uh, good Christian people who said, you know, I wouldn't go to that movie. That movie isn't fit to watch. But I'll buy her a T-shirt because my daughter wants one. What? Where's your stand? There isn't any. Facts about spiritual maturity is a process. So... The twins are to be more mature now than they was when they was five or six or seven or eight. But you don't get mature because you turn 16, 18, or 21. And you don't become mature in the word of God because you've been in church all your life. Doesn't work that way. 
It takes discipline. It takes discipline. If Jay, my daughter, disciplined her two kids like mom disciplined me, they would take her kids away from her. But you can see, other than being hit with the ugly stick, you know, I don't have no bruises or cuts or knots. That just come natural. But mom would say, be quiet. One time. Now the kids know how many times mom will holler before they have to even begin to get serious. Well, God don't give you five and six and seven chances. You ought to ask yourself a question. If the Lord came back tonight, would I stay or go? And he may come back tonight. Make me happy. Make me happy. How to begin and maintain spiritual habits. Well, step one, you've got a desire. You've got to want to begin the habit. That's what Galatians 3.2 sort of t- tells us, you know. Uh, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have a desire, you know. I desire to be a better person than I am. I desire to know the Bible. I desire to be a blessing to my parents. I desire to be a help to my pastor. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2. Galatians 3, 2. God said, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I would sure like to do this, but, you know, I've got church Sunday. And the devil will say, I had one service. You know what will happen if I miss that service and didn't have to? I've committed spiritual adultery. Israel and Judah committed spiritual adultery. Read the book of Jeremiah and see what happened. God tells us. God tells us, you know, that it takes... Discipline. We've got to have time with God. We've got to have prayer. We got. I mean, it's 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 just like getting ready to learn a new sports. We got to learn the fundamentals. And the fundamentals of Bible study is that God's always right, never wrong. God is never wrong. He's always right. And when we understand that, then we're at a point where we can uh, uh, begin to maintain spiritual habits. You know, 
I took an old Bible of mine that was, uh, you know, about gone, and I took the book of Psalms and I took the book of Proverbs out and put it separate and, you know, put the binder on it. And I don't even have to open my Bible. I just open that book because I read a chapter a day of each of those. And when I get down to 31 of Proverbs, I go back and read it again. It's like when you go to get your driver's license. You know, unless you're an exception, you, you won't get your driver's license if you'd only grow one time. But then again, the way I see some people drive, maybe I'm wrong. But it takes practice. It takes practice. Studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God. So God tells us, number two, how to begin and maintain spiritual habits. We've got to make a decision. Decision. First you get the desire, then you make the decision. It's like eating right. I've never made a decision to eat right because I've got my certain foods and as long as I've got strength and door can fix it, I'm going to eat it. And my daughter, bless her heart, she's on one of these kicks, you know, and, and you, know, you need to do this. And you, I'm going to see how it works for you. If it works for you, I make the decision. Well, I look at Brother Bill de Rossi. It worked for him. I look at Brother Robert Ginn. It worked for him. Brother Al Gormley. It worked for him. I name you people who put the Lord first. And it worked for them. See, uh, uh, you got to have a decision. Remember, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done because those perfect conditions where you feel good and everybody else brags on you and say, hey, that's a great decision you made, and it's not going to happen. I mean, you make a great decision for the, for the Lord, and, and they'll ask you, didn't you have anything else to do? You know, it's you got to make that decision. Three, got to have a. You know, you must make a clarity. You know, state I'm going to do this. You make a. Covenant resolution. The power of the vow is awesome. More than a New Year's resolution. But I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, one of the easiest things, pick out a book. I don't care what book it is. So I'm worried a chapter a day. 
morning chapter there? That's not, you're going to just, maybe some great spiritual, but you're disciplining yourself. I told myself I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to read. Now you don't have to worry about it, you know. You can listen to a chapter a day. That's what we got to do. It's what we should be doing so that we can let the Word of God get inside of our minds and hearts. Notice with me what the Lord tells us here in Psalms. In Psalms 76. Psalm 76 and verse 11. God says this. When we look at this verse in Psalm 76 and verse 11, Vow and pay unto the Lord your God, let all that be Round about him bring presents unto unto him that ought to be feared. You vow and pay unto the Lord your God. I make a vow. I make a promise. I make a declaration. I declare. I declare. Number four is a determination. It takes seven to 21 repetitions to learn something. In other words, you've got to read Proverbs 1, Proverbs chapter 1, Seven to twenty-one repetitions to learn something and get it into the sense of it. In other words, if I read a chapter a day, if I read Proverbs chapter one and I read it, uh, you know, twenty-one times, I know what's in that chapter. You may be fasting, but these are, are just averages. Some people can can do it, you know. That's the way I studied for tests. I, you know, I shouldn't tell you this. I wasn't much of a class person of listening to the teacher. I, you know, but I would read certain things that she said or he said, and I would underline them. And I'd take the what I'd underlined, put it in an outline, and I'd read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Because we know you don't remember a lot of things you learned in seventh grade, do you? 
or eighth grade or ninth grade. But you know the Psalms, you know the twenty third Psalm, you know, I pledge the legend to the flag. Those things you have repeated and repeated and repeated. D. That's what God says, you know, in, in Psalm 76. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. See, you make a vow. Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 1. Every month. So, I mean, in a year, you have read that 12 times. And each month you read it, each time you read it, you remember a little bit more. But you got to have the termination. And then step five, you just do it. Step six is... Double up. Get a partner. Your you two twins have a, a beautiful situation, you know, because you all have been together ever since you're born. So you say, hey, in the morning, tomorrow afternoon, whatever, we're going to pick out a book and we're going to read a chapter a day. I'm going to read it to my brother, then my brother going to read it to me. Said, Man, that's boring. Well, you know, U.S. history wasn't no big thrill for, <laughs> for me. You know, health didn't, didn't turn my life up. Though. But I was in school so that I could pass. And when you Study, God will bless you for it. And if you're doing what is right as we close, if we do what is right, notice with me, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 12. God says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, when I'm over here by myself in this building, or Matt, I said, when he's over here by himself in this building, we're not alone. What we, what we do know that, as God said here in the 6th chapter and the 12th verse, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against fires, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, what you will find out, and you need to know that up front, and, and, I, and I tell people, I said, you know, if you get you a place, you know, I got a certain place and 
when I lived in the Parsons, I would come over here and I would tell my wife, I've got to go to the study. That old chair is waiting for me. Why? Because that chair knows that I'm going to be over there approximately the same time every morning, studying, praying, reading. And phone will ring, somebody will knock on the door. You know, that's just how it is. But our last scripture in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, God said, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, what does that mean? If I make, I'm going to start reading a chapter a day. God's pleased with that. But I need to understand for it is God's, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If we're doing something we know God wants us to do, he's going to help us. He's going to lead us. He's going to be with us and we'll know it. Brother Steve, would you, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer?